I had a baptism yesterday of an adorable little kid, and one of the things I, I always kind of find interesting about the, the rite of baptism of children is that after the, the baptism, there are several things that happen, and, and one of them is that we, we anoint the, the top of the child's head with the, the sacred chrism, the, the holiest oil in the, the church, and that is to, to signify the, that the Holy Spirit has, has come to dwell in this soul through baptism. But there's also a recognition that in the, the Old Testament, there were three groups of people who were anointed often, priests, prophets, and kings. And so actually in the rite, as I anoint the, the top of the child's head, we pray that this child might now share in Christ's threefold office of priest, prophet, and king. Perhaps you've heard that, that in your baptism, you are priest, prophet, and king. Now, normally, the, the first two are the ones that might confuse us. How are lay people priests? Well, priests are called to offer sacrifice. So every time we come to Mass, all of us, through our baptism, should offer sacrifice, ultimately, of ourselves, but also the prayers, works, joys, sufferings of our days. As priests, through our baptism, we offer that in union with the the Eucharistic sacrifice offered by the ministerial priest. Prophets speak on behalf of God. So that's a little easier to understand that as baptized people, we should speak God's word to a, a culture that very much needs it. That's our prophetic mission. But then this last one, to be king. Perhaps this is the one we, we think we know what it means right away. Like, I don't know what it means to be a priest or prophet, but king I get. I am ready to be a king. I'm a king by version of my baptism. Well, it's easy to think that way, but it's probably the one that is least understood. How am I, through my baptism, a, a king? And specifically sharing in Jesus's kingship, which we, we celebrate today, the king of all things, the king of the, the universe. How is Jesus king? And then how are we sharing in that mission? Well, to, to kind of get into that today, I, I'd like to, rather than look at the, the readings from sacred scripture that are, are proper to this mass, I'd actually like to look at the other texts that are proper to this mass that we don't often think about. And those are the, the, the prayers of the mass, particularly the very first prayer that we, we all just prayed. And I'm sure you were paying attention, so I probably hardly even need to repeat it but the opening prayer at Mass, it's called the Collect. So if you have a missile and you're following along, it'll be listed as Collect. It's because the way it works is the priest says, let us pray. And sometimes I don't think people get it. When the priest says, let us pray, uh, we should pray. Uh, so seems obvious, but I think we don't do it. A lot of times the priest says, let us pray, and there's silence, and we're like, what's he doing? Why is there silence? That's so you can pray. Call to mind all those things you want to offer the Mass for. And then after we have all prayed silently for a little while, the priest then, with hands outstretched to show that he's praying on behalf of everyone, collects together all those silent prayers that we've just prayed and offers them to God with a, a formal text that is called the Collect. I'd like to look at that Collect today uh, for kind of the, the rest of the homily. Here it is, in case you, you missed it. Almighty ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the King of the universe, grant, we pray, 
that the whole creation set free from slavery may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. I'd like to offer that there are kind of three things in that prayer. And if you notice all the, the opening prayers, the colleagues of mass, they all kind of are a set form. They normally say something about God. God, you've, you've done this. And because you're so great and have done all this, now we ask you to do this for us. So if we look at the kind of threefold structure of the prayer today, first thing it says, almighty ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved son, the king of the universe. What does a, a king do? Priest, prophets, we talked about, I would offer that the primary job of a king is to put things in the right order, to govern well his kingdom by ordering things well through, through the laws that he passes, through the, the armies, the way they protect the kingdom, to keep things properly structured. A king is at the, the top of kind of a, a pyramid of his, his, his nobles and his people below him. A good king ensures that there is good order in his kingdom. So our prayer invoking the son of God, the king of the universe, prays that God would restore all things. This word restore it's an interesting word in the, in the Latin of the original prayer. It's instaurare, and it actually translates from St. Paul uh, a Greek word, anakephaliosisthai. That's, that's an eight-syllable word if you're looking for something in a, a party to throw around. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, anakephaliosisthai. Uh, it, it means literally to, to return again to the head. And the head meaning the most important thing, to put the head first and get everything else in order. So this, this word restore is, is a deeply theological kind of thing. It means to put it all back the way it's supposed to be. And if you look up the definition of instaurare in Latin, to restore, it says often implying that something has been broken and it needs to be fixed. Well, if we just look at our world today, we can plainly see, well, that fits. Don't we just kind of instinctively feel right now that the world seems broken, seems a mess? Why doesn't somebody fix it? And notice we're always looking for somebody else to, to fix it. Well, today we, we actually recognize in the opening prayer that there is someone who has power to restore, to put the head back right, all things. And ultimately that's God the Father, to whom the, the prayer is addressed. How is he going to do that? How will he order all things? Well, through Jesus Christ, the King of all things. If Jesus Christ is King, then he will order all things rightly and justly under himself. That's the, that's the goal for the universe. So if the universe is not the way it seems like it should be, we have to ask ourselves, is, is the head right? Are things properly ordered under the kingship of Jesus? You know, we pray every time we pray the Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not automatic. We have to actually do our part to try to say, how can we make God's will more prevalent upon the earth? How do we make this world look more like the world of heaven? That's our role as baptized kings, 
You want to know what it means to be a baptized king? It means you get to order the world that is under your control. For most of us, that means your families. Is your family properly ordered under the structure of Jesus, our king? Would anybody know that your family is ultimately ruled, governed, and directed in all things toward Jesus Christ? Or is your family not well-ordered and is running after this pleasure, that pleasure, trying to keep up with this family over here by doing more of this activity or trying to get more money or more power, whatever it is, that sounds like a, a kingdom that is in disarray. Everyone running every which way, no one knowing which way they're going, just trying to get by. Now, this world is fallen, so it's always going to be a little bit of that. But in the, the end time view of what it should look like when everything is put right, everything is ordered toward our heavenly goal to be with Jesus forever. So today's a good day to ask ourselves, is that true in my life? And if it's not, then call on the virtue of your baptism to be a better king, to order things in your life better. And that starts with all of us to order our own souls towards God. Do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and him above everything else? If not, then baptized kings get to work. Put things in the right order. So, almighty everything God, whose will is to restore, instaurare, anikophaliosistai, all things in your beloved son, the king of the universe. That's what we tell God. Thank you. You've done this. This is amazing. We're trying to live up to it, but good job out of you, God, so far. Now we get to the second thing where we get to ask for what we want. Grant, we pray, that the whole creation set free from slavery may render your majesty's service. Now notice the end of those lines. Set free from slavery may render your majesty service. In the, in the scriptures, the, the word for servant and slave are, are really the, the same word often. And so we might automatically think that, well, to be under Jesus Christ, the, the king, to our Western, especially democratic kind of ears, we might automatically associate monarchy and, and kingship with bad news. Isn't, isn't that what we fought the Revolutionary War for here in America, to throw off that evil tyrant, King George III? We don't like kings too much around here because we associate kingship with slavery. What will the king do? The king will make slaves out of all his subjects, force us to do things we don't wanna do because he's the king and he's got all the power and we don't, we're just poor little people. Well, that's earthly kingship and it can go that way. There've actually been some great Catholic kings in the history of the world uh, that shows a beautiful example of what even earthly kingship could be. But I think sometimes we do associate power with then slavery. Either you have the power or you're enslaved by the people who have the power. It's not the idea of our opening prayer today. Rather, when it says that we have been set free from slavery, from servitude, it's talking about being set free from slavery to our passions. How has Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, helped order things? By telling us, you don't have to be a slave of every desire that you might have. If you are chasing after power as your true king, you will never have enough of it and you will never be happy. You are enslaved to your desire for more and more power. 
We see this all the time in the world, don't we? People get a little bit of power and what do they want? More. It'd be, and ultimate power ultimately corrupts. We see it all the time. That's our fallen human nature. Or pleasure. That seems pretty, you know, nice. Why don't we just, why don't we do what makes us feel good? Well, it doesn't take long to realize if you do just what feels good at the time, you are a slave to your, your desire for more and more pleasure because you'll get a little bit of it. And it's like, I like that. I want more of it. And there will never be enough. You see how a disordered life, one that is not properly ordered, ultimately makes us slaves to whatever it is we're chasing that is not God. So today, the prayer says, grant we pray that the whole creation set free from slavery. So notice it says it's already happened. Jesus Christ has done it. He has given us the power to be kings and rule rightly over our passions. We have been set free from slavery to sin. To do what? That we may render your majesty's service. You might be thinking, now, wait a minute. We just got, we got set free from servitude so that we could be servants? Well, that doesn't make sense. I thought we're free from servitude and now we're supposed to render service? Well, notice that, again, being properly ordered under a king, if it's a good king, it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's the best thing. We're meant to be servants, actually. We are created by God to be of service, to realize that our life is not about us. We are to be of service to others. Well, we have been set free. And as St. Paul reminds us, for freedom, we've been set free. So what will we do with that freedom? The best thing we can do with that freedom then is to render God service. And of course, the scriptures tell us that if you want to love God, love your neighbor. That's why we as, as Catholics especially are constantly known for being of service to others. Why do we do that? Because we're free. We get to be slaves of God because we are not slaves of anything else. We have the, the sister servants of, of Mary with us here today, and it's right in their name, the, the servants. They serve the, the sick and the, and the dying. Why do they do that? Because they're not having to be busy chasing after a bunch of other things. They're free. And what did they do with their freedom? They serve the poor, the sick, the dying. That's what we're all called to do. So the answer, try to be more detached, more free from the slavery of chasing after anything that's not God so that you then might render service to the only person that is ultimately worthy of the total gift of servitude of our life, the one true God, Christ the King. But now the, the third little move in this prayer, and this is the one that maybe people would think is kind of throwaway almost, that we might render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. To praise God rightly. The word uh, in, in Greek for this is, is one that we'll probably all recognize, orthodox. Ortho means right, doxa is is glory or, or praise. Orthodox means to give God the right praise, the right glory. So what is the way that we most and best serve God? It's actually right here what we do at the Holy Mass. Here we are offering God right service, right praise, orthodoxy. Now we tend to think that this is just throwaway. Sure, I go to Mass on Sunday and that's nice. No, this is the most radical thing we do. 
Every time we come to Mass, we proclaim Christ is King. Everything must be ordered to Him. That's why all of the direction of the Mass is not towards us. It's ordered, directed towards God. We put God first in the Mass. We serve Him. We recognize that we are His created beings. We owe Him all of our life, all of our service. We do that at the Mass. We give God the right praise. And actually in this prayer, the, the word and in there, it says, we may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. The, the word and there in Latin, there's, there's two words for, for and. One kind of says there's just this thing and that thing and they're not related. The, the version of and that's used here says that these two things are intimately related. So render service and ceaselessly praise God it's like those two things are the, the same by using a special version of and. You wanna serve God well, praise him well. We often say in, in the liturgical theology that the law of praying leads to the law of believing. What we do in our prayer reflects what we believe and we will come to believe the way we worship. So today on this solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe, we worship well. We put Jesus in his right place when we're in this building offering the mass. The question then is, do we do that when we leave this building? Do we worship, believe, and then act according to what we pray? So today the church gives us all that in that, that little opening prayer that probably you didn't even think much about. I would encourage you as we, we come to the beginning of a new liturgical year, next Sunday, as I said, with Advent, get yourself a missal, a little hand prayer book that has all the prayers of the mass for the year. You can get just a Sunday one that has just the Sunday readings and prayers and everything for like $5, paperback. Go get it. Or get yourself a nice missal that has all the Sundays, maybe in the weekdays. But get it. Look at the readings ahead of time. Look at the prayers like this ahead of time. This is the way the church prays. The question is, will we live it? So here one more time, this beautiful opening prayer. And then ask yourself, can you pray this prayer authentically and then live it? Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the King of the universe, grant, we pray, that the whole creation set free from slavery may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever.